everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast. It's, uh, it is one hour after the trade deadline, and we are here. Jake Milliam here, and Jeremy Greco, you, uh, you've had a very tumultuous 24 hours, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I gotta ask the normal question. How you doing tonight? You know, I gotta tell you, it is, it is amazing what the difference 20 minutes can make in your mood sometimes because i i gotta tell you i was preparing to come on this show and and i was prepared to answer that question by telling you about how i stabbed a knife with my hand last night and there was blood everywhere it was like a scene out of saw it was it was just horrifying and that i still felt like i'd made better choices than jj piccolo um but uh, 20 minutes then passed things are looking a little different now we'll get into that in a minute i'm sure Oh, that we will, that we will, but do have to introduce our, our special guest for this very special episode. He is, I, Matthew, I ain't gonna lie, man, are you, are you second in charge? Are you like the 1B option at Royals Review? Like, what, what is your title even? Yeah, that, that works. That works. 1B. <laughs> that works? What, 1B? Yeah, I like it. Sure. I like it. Well, hey, it's a, it's Mr. 1B, not for first baseman. Matthew Moore. Matthew, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. I did not um, stab myself with a knife, um, <laughs> fortunately. Um, I did like stub my toe pretty bad um, the other the other day, which you know, which crunched part of the nail, which is not fun. But ugh, it, definitely ugh. not. It, I, it was. I would almost rather stab worse. myself. It sounds worse than it was. It's it's fine. It, you know, nothing really bad. But yeah, it's so. Bodily harm the episode. All right. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, hey, listen, we're going to talk about the trade deadline and how all of our moods and our outlooks regarding this trade deadline changed after the deadline had passed. But why are you relying on us to listen for this in for this information? Because you could have found it on RoyalsReview.com. Like this is this is Tuesday night. OK, you, you could be to be up with the and hip and Jeremy, you give me crap for trying to stay hip. And I made myself look like a, like a butt with the cowboy bebop thing last time. Yes. That is very clearly um, the, the Kansas city monarchs because that is a King on that shirt. <sighs> hey, it's a Patrick Mahomes shirt, everyone. But I, yeah, you could have found all this information on RoyalsReview.com, but we are going to get you up to speed on all the trade deadline transactions, which the most notable ones happened after 6 p.m. Eastern or 5 p.m. Kaufman Standard we're, Time. Were announced after. These okay, aren't illegal trades. After. I mean, isn't that what billionaires do? <laughs> I'm. You're not going to get me to disagree with that. <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think so. All right. Well, hey, honestly, let's start with the most notable here. Scott Barlow, his tenure with the Kansas City Royals is done. It is over. He is heading to the San Diego Padres, which this seems like a very aggressive move for kind of a middling Padres squad. But they probably saw that he had another year of control and they want to see what uh, what they can do in 2024. But so far, the Royals have gotten a fairly good return on Scott Barlow. They got a pitcher who is the Padres' number 10 overall prospect in their system and there is still more to come according to Annie Rogers excuse me Uh, Matthew I would like to start with you on this 
which uh which are you happier with that scott barlow was traded period or the return so far for scott barlow i like the fact that the royals just traded him in general the thing with relievers is that they have value for a certain period of time and under date Moore, scott barlow had the most value and the the biggest you know potential for for a return and they did not trade him uh, Dayton Moore hung on to him, and just as he hung on to Joaquin Soria and everything else, um, you know, it it didn't work out for the Royals as as good as it could have. But the thing about hanging on to him is he's probably going to have this is probably the best value that he's going to have right now. And JJ can't go back in time and convince Dayton Moore to trade Scott <laughs> Barlow at the height. Like he can't do that. What he can do, what the Royals can do, is get the best return out of it um that that they're able to um and i i do really like for barlow so barlow's like the the one like kind of big piece is uh they targeted someone that i've been advocating the type of player to to target for a very long time meaning a guy in the low minors with a lot of upside and that's really the only way that you're going to get better is by getting players with upside hoping that you hit on one of them trading for you know, double A, triple A players with a guy like Barlow who does have, you know, decent trade value on his own. He's not, he's not the best, best plan of action. It's just not, it's more understandable for guys that have limited trade, trade value. Um, even then, I think you can get like lottery t- ticket type prospects, but mm-hmm. you know, for a guy like Scott Barlow, they, like they could have gone out and got some, you know, 24 or 25 year old in, triple a they did not they, they went for youth they went for upside so i think yep. the process there was very good and i think that's the criticisms of the royals not trading him years prior don't really have anything to do with current currently and i think it's a good sign um for jj that he was willing to let go and trade scott barlow even though he had years of control left that's traditionally something that Dayton moore just did not do and i don't think Dayton moore makes this trade i think Dayton moore holds on to him um yeah. until his his value is no more um so overall i think the process was good i was just looking over here at the um trade simulator so if you've uh, ever been to baseball oh, trade yeah. um you know it's a, it's a really good i'm pretty sure this is the second straight podcast i've been on that i mentioned it <laughs> if i can remember correctly but it's really good for like you know back of the napkin math like hey roughly how good of a value um is it so um the trade simulator has barlow at 5.6 million dollars worth of value um and Williams, um, the pitcher who they got back at $2.2 million worth of value. So if you, you know, maybe there's another couple of million, million there and other players, right? That's, yeah. That, that's a that's a pretty reasonable trade. Um, I think it's definitely not an overpay. And I think people maybe overhype how much trade value Barlow had. Like he was in decline this year. He's still a good reliever, but he's not the like real difference maker reliever that he has been in the past. Right. That is correct. Hey, Jeremy, do you have a, what else would you like to add to the Barlow trade? Um, Just, I do want to point out like the kind of process that went through here with the trades coming in after the deadline to me or being announced after the deadline, as I've already corrected you, I should correct myself. Uh, It shows 
the 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 most likely interpretation I have for that is that the Royals were working the phones until the very last second to make sure that they got the best deal possible for the guys that they traded. Um, so that shows, I think, a good process. Whereas in years past, we saw, for example, uh, when they traded Kelvin Herrera, it felt like this is the value you got for Kelvin Herrera. You had two more months to figure out like what his value could be. Um, and, and it was weird and it didn't really work out. I don't think any of those guys are still in the Royal system. Um, and so it's, it's good to see them like, okay, so maybe next year, like we can, we cannot panic if the Royals haven't made any trades. I assuming the Royals are not good next year, which I think is a safe assumption. Uh, so we don't <laughs> panic until, uh, you know, an hour, uh, 30 minutes after the trade deadline and yeah, they still right. haven't announced anything. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, uh, a, the 10th best prospect in the Padre system is a good get uh, for him, especially with more coming. And, and I, it's the really, I think the best we could hope for in this situation, we're not going to get like a top 10 national prospect for him right. at, at this point. Exactly. And um, Matthew, I, I think you said it, but there's no, I think everyone can agree that Scott Barlow's trade value was highest um, in the post COVID seasons, you know, 2021 comes to mind 2020 even. But J.J. Colo can't do anything about that right now. At least the trade was made, period. This wasn't something that, like, oh, well, we can wait for the winter meetings and maybe we can make something happen. Excuse me. They they moved. It is. It's over. They've moved on. It's a new chapter. Because, like, for, for the first time in a while, I don't know for sure who's going to come out of the bullpen in a save situation. You know, it was... Barlow had 56 career saves in Kansas City for a reason. Like, he was the guy. Now who's going to step up and be the guy who is going to round out this bullpen right now? So there's a lot of storylines that emerge with the Barlow trade, but I think the Barlow trade opens up the most for this uh, for this roster. And while, we're, while we are recording, the Royals just announced the official trade for Ryan Yarbrough, who is the next move we are going to talk about they traded him to the los angeles dodgers for devin mann um, primarily a first baseman but also has some second base skills and outfielder derlin figueroa um, man was the dodgers number 29 overall prospect so and you get a you get an outfielder lottery ticket sort of guy down in the arizona complex league so guys Honestly, I'm feeling pretty happy about that return for Ryan Yarbrough, who the the site I was not very excited about that signing this past winter. Didn't really have a whole lot of expectations for him. And while he has done very good lately, it's uh it hasn't always been the case. So, Jeremy, I would like to get your thoughts. Was were the Royals right to trade Ryan Yarbrough, a cheap, controllable arm in the rotation? Well, controllable is is a questionable descriptor right there because he his contract ends after this year and then he's a free agent um it was only a one-year deal so oh i thought he, was, i thought he had another year of control that's my bad yeah um that unfortunately is the guy who's still around jordan lyles um but yeah so if you had told me before the season um that the royals had just acquired 
the Dodgers 29th best prospect and a rookie, uh, a guy down in the, the Dominican summer league and the Florida complex league who walks a ton and has some power. I just said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Let's do that. And that's what they did when they signed uh, Ryan Yarbrough, basically. Um, they were betting that he could rebound and they could trade him. It was uh, it was one of those moves, and it worked. And I criticized the move at the time. I said, you needed innings eaters, and you signed Ryan Yarbrough. What are you doing? But uh, uh, in retrospect, I was I was looking at that trade the wrong – or looking at that signing the wrong way, um, and I don't think this could have gone better for either party. I think Ryan Yarbrough should be very happy to have had an excellent month after his return from injury and be on his way to the contending – uh, Dodgers to see if he can help them win a World Series. And the Royals should be very happy with that trade return. Um, but what's interesting to me is that that man is kind of been listed in a lot of places as a first baseman. The other places indicate he's a utility man, um, plays first, second, and third. Uh, so that tells me kind of the, that makes me think that the Royals see him as a first baseman, which they needed. As we discussed in our last episode, they don't have any. Um, so I kind of expect him to be in the big leagues real quick. He's been tearing it up at AAA, and uh, it, it, they don't have anybody else to play first, especially after they got rid of Nicky Lopez, their last starting first baseman. So, uh, yeah, let's let's make it happen. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that, Jeremy. Matthew, um, what are your thoughts on the Ryan Yarborough trade and the return for him? I think it's good. I also think that it depends on how they're going to use um, man, the Royals have this very frustrating history of trading for guys who, uh, you know, maybe if they're older, you know, 24, 25, 26, well, 24 is not really old, but if you're, you know, 25, 26, 27, you know, um, these guys um, that, you know, are not 32, 33 year old veterans, you know, um, that maybe have some upside. And they trade for these guys, they, they acquire them, you know, out of, you know, from basically nothing, right? They just signed Yarborough and then they flipped him for, you know, prospects. Um, and then not playing them because they're not their guys. It's very weird. I don't get it. I feel like the Royals have not done that as often with uh, Piccolo, who is more apt to play the younger players. Um, so I think it's good, especially if they give him a shot. You know, the thing about prospects is that it's a roll of the dice every time. Um, and that is one of the superpowers that bad teams have is that they can roll the dice more often than good teams because that dice roll may give you, you know, snake eyes and that would be very bad. But if you don't care about losing, if you don't really care about what the outcome is as far as wins or losses, that does that you basically have no downside. You can just roll the dice. If it's snake eyes, whatever, you can just move on to the next guy. There's no consequences there. But if you get somebody out of nowhere, then that's great. And so that's what I, that's what you like to see with Ryan Yarbrough. Again, good process um, of just getting some guys and rolling the dice. Again, where the Royals have struggled is they've gotten the dice and then they've just put them where the rest of their dice are. <laughs> and <laughs> so that, that's, that's really a two part equation, right? You got this new shiny pair of dice. You got to like actually roll it. And the Royals haven't done that very much in the past. So, I think it only works if he like he comes up and he plays a lot of first base. That's you know that. Otherwise, why are you getting a twenty six? Like, why just get not just like load up on three lottery ticket type of players? You know, so that is kind of my feelings on that one. 
I know some D and D players like that. <laughs> they get the dice. The dice they get the dice and they don't use them. It's like, what are you doing? Use the <laughs> dice. That's like the whole point of D and D, man. Yes. Is it a roll of dice? Yeah. Only the, oh my the difference between D and D dice and baseball dice is the baseball players' dice have a limited shelf life until their back starts hurting and they can't hit fastballs. Um, the D and D dice <laughs> is going to be good for a long time. That is true. That is true. Well, hey, before we uh, before we start talking about some more of the trades, we're going to take a quick ad break. Coming up, we will continue to get you up to date on the trade deadline transactions. Plus, we got to talk about. How does this change the opinion of the Royals front office? Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Jake Miller, I'm here with Jeremy Greco and Matthew Lamar. So, guys, let's keep going down the ticker. The Royals started off the uh, the trade deadline day, Tuesday, August 1st, fairly strong. Um, they had an early move trading for Tucker Davidson, a relief pitcher from the Los Angeles Angels. The Royals actually sent cash to someone. They didn't uh, They didn't receive money for a player. They actually sent it for someone. Um, guys, I know a lot of folks aren't super high on Davidson. I'm not saying I am either, but I am saying that uh, this guy is a lot better than this fringe 26-man roster production he has. I mean, he has a, a sub-four FIP. He does have some good stuff on the pitches. But, Matthew, I, I want to get your opinion. We've had some time to process this trade. Like, do you do you think this is anything of substance, or uh, or is this just rolling the dice? Well, I mean, you think about it. The Royals just got rid of uh, – well, got rid of – they traded uh, uh, Scott Barlow, and they traded Jose Quas. Um, so that somebody has to pitch bullpen innings and, um, it's not going to be Jackson Kowal. Okay. Um, Thank so goodness. somebody has what to pitch. I think, I think it's fine. I also think like there are, the, the Lord knows the Royals organization deserves a lot of criticism and has very little sort of to stand on as far as until it starts winning, you know, like you should doubt this front office first. You should doubt ownership first. But one of the things that I think that has been like truly unfounded is people like, oh, John Sherman sheep. Like he didn't go out and hire somebody else. I, I saw this in the comments of Rosary the other day. I, I, I'm sorry if you're this person and I'm blasting you on a podcast, but I thought it was ridiculous. They were like, oh, yeah, um, John Sherman didn't go out and get like an up and coming guy because he wanted to save money on his GM position, which is like ridiculous. And there's, there's this just like pervasive feeling in the fan base that like Sherm is out to save money and that's like objectively untrue like oh they got rid of Nicky Lopez for because they wanted to save money for their new ballpark like they like they the Royals went out and they signed Jordan Lyles and Zach Granke for like what 30 plus million guaranteed like this this that level of like cost cutting is not is not there and this is I think another piece of evidence that that's just not the case um because they paid for the guy. Like they spent cash yeah. money to acquire a guy that they would have to pay cash money to. Um, so I, I, I think it's fine. Anytime that you buy, a, you basically buy a player, you just pick somebody up. Like that's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. We'll, we'll see how it is. Um, yeah. The Royals do have a decent track record of developing um, 
you know, picking guys, random guys up and, and having them do pretty well in the bullpen and then trading them to other teams for players that they don't play afterwards. Um, <laughs> so that, that's, that's been the process, but they've done a pretty good job of, of that. So anytime you can like not have to give up a prospect and not have to pay them a bunch of money. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. Jeremy, did you have any uh, thoughts over the Davidson trade? Not really. Um, <laughs> whenever I see a guy got traded for cash, I'm like, all right, a guy. There, That sure is a guy. He's probably going to play some baseball. <laughs> that's what they paid money for him to do, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, Allegedly. Uh, we'll, we'll see what he does. I don't think they added him to the, like, he's not active tonight for the Royals. It's so, he's in some. They announced limbo. that he was added to the major league roster, and then Annie Rogers was like, "No, he's not added to the major league roster." Yeah. And then they were like, "Oh yeah, now we're doing the other trades that like we could add him." But yeah, it sounds like he's not he's not around to be to pitch tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. We shall see. But someone who's definitely not around to pitch for the Royals is a uh, Jose Quas, the former FedEx driver, is uh, is gone out of Kansas City. He has uh, taken him and his shipping abilities up to the Chicago Cubs, where he will be joining that bullpen, who is on the the fringes of the postseason race, if you will. Um, I think they're barely above 500, but we'll we'll see what they do. Hey, that's um, winning the AL Central. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I don't want to get too high on my soapbox here, but the Royals just swept the, uh, the division-leading team, okay? So kind of uh maybe we should be in first place you know what i mean I'm kidding <laughs> if only kidding. it worked that way i know right um anyways quas goes up to chicago goes the nl central the royals get back not really a lottery ticket but certainly a high potential player in nelson velasquez who was uh, kind of pushed out of a crowded outfield for the cubs Definitely a, a high-powered guy. He's only played in 13 Major League games for the Cubs this year, but he has a 145 weighted runs created plus in that span, and I think he has like four home runs and 32 plate appearances. Some really, really good stuff with the bat. Um, Alrighty, Jeremy, so I saw this on your Twitter feed when we were still you know, in the throes of the Royals didn't make any moves. This is terrible. This is literally the worst case scenario because you pointed out the fact that they should have traded away Edward Olivares. He fills a very niche role and that niche role doesn't really serve the Royals in any way, shape or form. So when I saw this Velasquez trade, I assumed, okay, this is a younger version of Edward Olivares, similar power, better glove. Thankfully can't get much worse than that. But I, I'm curious, like, do you uh, do you see this as a precursor as well that all of ours could be out of the Royals sooner rather than later? I think I think a lot of people assumed that Olivares was gone when they saw that trade go through. Um, it's kind of curious that he isn't. He I, I think he could be very well on his way to being DFA'd. He hasn't been playing mm. a lot. Um, and I know I've been I've banged my drum repeatedly that I don't care how bad his defense is. If he's hitting, he deserves to be in the lineup. Um, but the Royals feel very differently about their defense. And uh, that's not totally unreasonable, especially given the dimensions of their outfield and their fly ball uh, pitchers. So 
it seems to me that if Oliveris could have been traded, he probably would have been traded. I know mm-hmm. that that's kind of going to come up with another trade that we're going to talk about in a little bit. <laughs> um, but Oliveris tells me he's not got any value to anybody. They all look at him and they say he's a designated hitter who can barely hit average. Um, he's, he's usually around 100 WRC plus. That's average. It's league average. It's not good enough to be a designated hitter. And it's yeah. not good enough to play the field with his defense. I, I Even as much as I say defense doesn't matter. Um, the only reason I thought he should be playing for the Royals is because of how bad their offense was. Mm-hmm. So I I do have to think that he he can't be much longer for this roster. If he does survive the year, um, I don't think he'll, he'll be on the roster next year. Okay. Okay. Hey, Matthew, so we've had a little bit of time to digest the Velasquez trade. I don't know if you've looked into him at, at all, um, but out of that one, like who do you think is the quote-unquote winner? Do you think the Royals benefited more from this, or do you think the Cubs got something in Jose Quas? Um, I don't think Jose Quas is very good. Um, I think he's got a great story. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I hope he sticks around in the league. I hope, hope he makes a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, he sticks around, but I, you know, he's 29. He just turned 29. His fastball velocity, his average fastball velocity this year is 92.3. He Oof. gets absolutely destroyed by lefties. There's a limited utility there and there's not really a whole lot in his, uh, MLB, you know, track record. He's pitched almost 80 innings. Um, and just hasn't like last year I had a pretty good ERA, but his peripherals are basically the same as they were last year. Um, mm. it's, he, he, he's just, he's just not that great. And the fact that the Royals could get anything from him was, I think, you know, quite stunning. I think to me, I think Quas is like the quintessential replacement level player. And the fact that they <laughs> were able to get someone with years of control left, was it was wild i think that's low-key their best trade yeah that uh it kind of feels that way because that was the only trade that i clearly felt the royals got the better end of the of the deal on or they like you said just jose quas wasn't someone that i really thought had any trade value ahead of the trade deadline and like you were talking about jeremy with all of ours i thought quas was kind of a fringe dfa candidate um, and that's not saying good things when your team is one of the worst in MLB that you can't even stick it there. Um, like you said, Matthew, I, I hope all the best for Jose Quas, but I'm glad that he's on a, on a winning team right now. That always has to feel good, but just keep it moving. Baseball is a business after all. All right, guys. So, Jeremy, I know you're going to have some opinions about this, uh, this next trade we're going to talk about. Um, it really lit a lot of Royals fans up and kind of rightfully so it was Nicky Lopez heading down to Atlanta for their recently acquired Taylor Hearn, who is a relief pitcher. Um, Jeremy, let's not get too much in the X's and O's on it. I want to know your opinion on that trade and the move. So that's another kind of feeling I had that kind of has changed as time has evolved. I was very angry uh, at first, as I think a lot of Royals fans were. The The big takeaway that I think everyone had that I still have is that Taylor Hearn was DFA'd a week before the Royals made that trade. 
They could have had him for nothing. Obviously, they didn't value him or else they would have picked him up when he was on waivers because they're they have a higher claim than the Braves do because uh, they have a worse record. Um, so it was it was a little bit head scratching. It was a lot of bit frustrating. Um, none of this was improved when uh, I think it was Josh Vernier on. I think it, I want to say six ten. Is that the one he's on? I don't get to listen to local KC radio much. Uh, yeah, so six ten. He uh, apparently went on a rant about how. Nikki Lopez was a very negative clubhouse presence, which is the exact opposite of everything I've ever heard about Nikki Lopez from anyone at any level. And I've heard stuff at least from AAA and from Kansas City that Nikki Lopez is a great guy, great clubhouse leader. And Josh Vernier comes out here and says, oh, no, he's not. He's he's a cancer. And it's just like, oh, this does not feel good. But. After that, we did get uh, comments from J.J. Piccolo. He said uh, he was asked about, you know, what were kind of your options with Nicky Lopez? And he says, this was the option. There was nobody nobody else they could trade him for. And and I, I guess it was either trade him for Taylor Hearn or it was DFA him. And if those are your two options, then, yeah, you trade him for Taylor Hearn and maybe you DFA Taylor Hearn in short order. But you haven't lost anything. Um, it's... It's disappointing. I think I'd rather have Nicky Lopez than Matt Duffy if I had to choose between the two of them. But uh, I guess that's where we are. Yeah, and I will. So, Jeremy, you and I are both out of the geographical area of the Royals. So a lot of our stuff comes through social media or more official connections. And the the way that I heard Nicky Lopez described from the team was a, quote, very expensive 26th man. So he is he had apparently lost value with the team, at least in their eyes. Um, and, you know, the, the bat wasn't doing him any favors. I think he had like since the all star break in only eight games, he had a zero WRC plus like that is when when league average is 100. And you're at zero. <laughs> that's uh, that's not optimal, my friend. And but, yet Hunter Dozier with his negative WRC plus yeah, stuck around right? for so long. Exactly. Well, same, same with Nate Eaton. I think he had like a negative 55 WRC plus for a while there. It's terrible. Um, but Matthew, this was a very inflammatory trade. I do want to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah. So the thing about trades really is that trades are one of the best uh, ways of figuring out what the philosophy is behind a front office, right? Who they decide to trade, um, because there are trades out there. The Royals could, like the Royals could have traded for Salvador Perez, uh, traded Salvador Perez. Um, no, we'll go that, go into that a little, little bit. They didn't, so it's kind of a nothing burger. But there was news that the, the Royals could have traded Perez, and I think would could have, you know, um, turned um, turned down his his no trade clause for for the right team. Um, and they didn't, right? So every time that a player that could be traded isn't traded, or that every time that a player that could be traded is traded, and you get to see what the return is, it is just a really pure reflection into what the team values. Um, and I think that the a lot of the negative reaction for the Lopez trade on its own is that the Royals traded Lopez rather than just some a ball, you know, prospect players, they traded him for, um, you know, just 
just a random reliever who wasn't very good. And um, that was sort of bad on its own. It was bad roster construction um, and just really not ideal usage of a team's just, just, just kind of like a, a mis, miscalculation of where the team was and how good the team is. I think that it has gained some context in the last couple of days. And by the last couple of days, I guess, yeah. When did that happen? Sunday? That happened Sunday? Yep, right after the game yep, Sunday. Better, yeah. Um, in the last couple of days when they've made some more trades, I think you can kind of see sort of the overall like idea of it a little bit better. Um, if, in, if you really look at it like, the trade itself was a perfectly acceptable trade of value for value. And also when you look at the, the trade, I think even though Nicky Lopez was a fan favorite, it makes sense that if the Royals are trying to think, Hey, who's going to be on this team when they are going to be good, it's not going to be Nicky Lopez. Could it be some odd Taylor? Maybe. And I think that, that is probably what played into it as well, that the Royals mm-hmm. knew that Nicky Lopez was offensively very limited. Defensively could play some stuff, but he he's not going to be on that next Royals team, and he's going to be um, you know relatively expensive compared to a player, again, like Samad Taylor, who's making the league minimum. Lopez making multiple times that, not offering any upside. So I get why they traded him. I think that it makes absolutely no sense that they traded him for a guy that they could have acquired earlier on in the week. That is yeah. my, my one thing. Like, I don't understand that whatsoever, not even a little bit. Um, to the extent that it makes me feel like there's something that we're missing, because if, for that to be so obvious and them not to do it, um, generally that there's something that we're missing or that we're not considering when it's like that. Like, well, that's stupid. Why didn't they do that? You know, there's usually yeah. some reason behind it i didn't like the trade overall i think um you know maybe um if it's not a trade that you like you can keep him through the end of the year you know and maybe you know let him go at the end of the year the other factor in this is maybe the royals wanted to kind of do nicky lopez a solid while they're also clearing a roster spot um for a different utility player right a younger utility player. So they ship Lopez yeah. to Atlanta. He gets to participate for, you know, a team that's on the path towards the postseason. And the Royals get uh, a little bit of salary relief. They clear sort of the utility man, those plate appearances, and they don't have to worry about cutting him in the offseason. So I think it's gained a little bit of, of clarity. And especially considering how the Royals traded Barlow and the tr- the target that they got from Barlow, which is like an A-ball player, I think that is also something that speaks to, well, maybe the Royals aren't quite as intent on Major League Ready talent as it seemed that it would be. I think there's just a lot of fear in the reaction. Um, okay. I think that that that's what it is. People are afraid that the Royals are going to be bad forever, and by itself, that trade did not look good. And yeah. I think that's why it sparked that reaction. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing how I wouldn't say opinions like you like you're saying, Matthew. I don't think the opinion of that singular trade has changed much, but its role and impact on the overall trade deadline has gained a clear path i guess um i i honestly wonder if it was 
if more of the anger didn't arise from the fact that it was Taylor Hearn specifically, like, let's say the Royals had traded for a guy who the Braves were intent upon designating for assignment and who's playing at that level. Would would Royals fans be as mad? I don't think so personally. Jeremy, do uh, am I making sense here about like was it more the fact that Hearn was just on the waiver 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 wire that frustrated fans uh, more so than like his value? Yeah, I think I think that's that's the thing is that it's really easy to look at that and say this guy had no value to a competitive team, the Rangers. Um, that so little value that they cut him and then the Royals could have had him again because they have a higher waiver priority than almost anyone. They could have had him for literally nothing, um, just paying his salary, which they're doing anyway. Uh, and, and then they chose to trade Nicky Lopez for him. And it seems like, well, we kept hearing Nicky Lopez is drawing interest. Nicky Lopez has some value. Nicky Lopez is drawing interest. And then they, they trade him for, for almost less than nothing. Um, and, and it's like, well, if you traded him for some other random 4A reliever, okay, well, maybe you think you can fix him. And maybe they think they can fix Taylor Hearn. But if you really thought you could fix Taylor Hearn, why didn't you pick him up when you could do it for free? That's, it's like, you've already said this guy has no value to you because you would have had him if he had value to you. And now you've traded somebody for him. It just, it's just, it's right there in front of your face. Whereas in other times it's like, well, we can, we can kind of deceive ourselves a little bit or allow ourselves mm-hmm. to be deceived. Whereas yeah. this time there's, there's, there's no getting around it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, Hey, let's, uh, let's keep it moving guys, because let's talk about the, the trades that didn't happen. Um, I know that there were, I wouldn't say pockets. Like it was, it was a good chunk of Royals fans calling for, <laughs> Hey, Relievers only have value for so long. Let's move Carlos <laughs> Hernandez. Um, Jeremy, just I just a quick one minute blurb. Like, do you think that they should have traded him, or are you feeling good about them holding on to Carlos Hernandez? In my recap Sunday, I wrote that the Royals must trade Scott Barlow, Ryan Yarbrough, uh, Nicky Lopez, and Carlos Hernandez. Uh, so they, they missed one of those. They did trade Jose Quas, who was not on my list because I honestly didn't think he had any value, much like everyone else. Um, so yeah, I think they should have traded Carlos Hernandez. Uh, when I look at this kind of trade deadline as a whole, I feel like that was a real missed opportunity. This was absolutely a seller's market at the trade deadline. People were buying relievers and starters left and right. We saw what they could get for Scott Barlow. We saw what they could get for Ryan Yarbrough. Um, It seems like Carlos Hernandez should have been able to get more than either of them. And yet he's still on the roster. Now, of course, we'll never know. Maybe they just didn't get a good offer for him. Maybe other people don't believe in his comeback. I know when we were talking last week, we were talking to, uh, you know, with Greg and, and, and he was saying, well, I just don't think that the track record's there. Um, but mm, it really feels like it was to me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed in it. Um, I, the Royals traded the guys they absolutely had to trade, 
but that one that one was one a real missed opportunity where a guy that I think they should have traded. But maybe he gets trade. Maybe he develops more value over the season. He pr- puts more of a track record. They trade him this offseason. We go okay. Well, that worked out. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, Matt. I want to ask you this next. So there were two, I think, kind of the big fish trade candidates, if you will. We kept seeing Brady Singer pop up and like, hey, Brady Singer is available. Teams are interested. Brady Singer. And then we saw all the chatter on Salvador Perez specifically linking him to Miami. Between those two players, which one do you think the Royals should have capitalized on by trading them and why, Matthew? Oh, it's Brady Singer. Absolutely. Um, Perez, I don't think you're going to get back um, what you – think you're going to get back uh, for Perez. Um, you know, his contact's pretty big. I think it is a pretty big signifier, actually, that the Royals were actively entertaining offers for um, for Salvador Perez. This is, again, not something that Dayton Moore would have done. Just, he wouldn't do it. He like, Salvador Perez is our captain. He's, you know, we're, we're off the market. I think the, there's still a divide over what the Royals think Salvador Perez is, is worth and what other teams think is worth. And I think that's why that didn't happen. But it's absolutely Brady Singer. Um, I think that the Royals they need to really be honest with themselves and realize that they're not going to be good in 2024 they're not um Brady Singer is basically you know if he finishes out the year well um he could be the Royals biggest trade piece since I don't even know maybe Wade Davis um you know back maybe even before then, maybe Zach Greinke. Um, like they just have not had like a pitcher of that of that quality. I know that there's a lot of criticism of Brady Singer his his not usage, you know, of the changeup. <laughs> but like he he is solid, man. Like he his FIP has been around for just about like every year, and that's true this year as well. Um, he's a he's a good but not great pitcher, and you know how much good pitchers good cost-effective pitchers do um, on the trade market. Like, the Tampa Bay has made their their organization out of drafting, developing, and then trading those kinds of guys. I think the Royals need to trade Brady Singer. He is only going to be on the team for three more seasons um, because of when they called him up. So he's only going to be on for three more seasons, and they – you know, like, come on, do the Royals really think that he's going to, that they're going to be really super competitive in any of those seasons? Like maybe, maybe the third season, but they're not going to be good next year. They're probably not going to be good the year after that. And the Royals need to realize he is the trade ship that they really need to kind of like supercharge the rebuild and really get some talent in there that could be helpful in three or four years when the Royals are realistically ready to to perform and do well uh salvador perez i understand i think that the royals could trade him i think that it's possible that they trade him in the offseason um same with brady singer i think it's possible they've got so much traffic at the trade deadline when you have a little bit longer to kind of simmer on it in the offseason it's possible that both of them are traded um you know but those were really the guys that they should trade um and I'm I'm a little disappointed that they didn't trade Singer or Perez or Carlos Hernandez. I think those are their sort of three sort of bigger fish that they could have traded and didn't. Um, and they declined to do it on all three. And I think there are reasonable reasons for all three, but one or all three of them has to be traded this offseason. Like, that's just how it has to be. 
so my, sorry my, my bad <laughs> i'm like i don't know if i'm sp- oh you yeah there yeah that's my bad um anyway <laughs> so yeah i it's interesting because i would have said that there was a zero percent chance that uh, Salvador Perez or Brady Singer got traded like a month ago. If you'd asked me a month ago, I think yeah, I mean, we talked about Salvador Perez and I said, I will eat my hat or something still silly like that. If Salvador Perez gets traded, because you just don't trade your captain. But then man, there was a lot of smoke around both of those guys um, around uh, today, especially. Um, so I, I would, and the thing that stood out to me the most about Brady Singer, the smoke around him, I cannot remember who said this, but somebody said that the, um, the arbitration negotiations between him and the team last off season were contentious, uh, which I either didn't know or had forgotten. So if that, if that's true and I know, um, you know, the Royals uh, under Dayton Moore really valued not going to arbitration uh, because they wanted they didn't want to have those discussions with their guys. And I think that's actually really smart. But um, they they did go to they did uh, go to arbitration uh, this year, this past year with a couple of guys. So if that's true, that the, the negotiations were kind of contentious, I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't know Brady Singer. Never met the guy. Uh, I haven't actually heard a ton about him. I've just heard what little I have heard. I don't care for his attitude. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind if they trade him. I don't mind if he's not on my team. I think that would be fine. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them to trade him this off season. <laughs> um, Salvador Perez, obviously I love, I love Salvi. So I'm fine with them keeping him if they're going to, but if they want to trade him to Miami, if he wants to be closer to home, he wants to play for a more competitive team. I'm okay with that too. Um, and then finally, you know, Carlos Hernandez, like I said, I feel like, I really feel like he should have already been traded. So yeah, let's mm-hmm. trade him this off season too. Uh, I just, he's, he's not going to, again, this is the thing we've talked about where the Royals hang on to relievers for too long. They hung on to Barlow too long. You can't go back and undo that. But you cannot hold on to the next guy too long. And I feel right. like they're they're in danger of doing that with Carlos Hernandez if they don't trade him this this upcoming offseason. Yeah, I think we're I think it's gonna be an interesting discussion around Carlos Hernandez um this during this upcoming winter. And if he does stay with the team, he is definitely going to be a trade deadline candidate come the 2024 season and I think if it reaches to that to like we're looking at the next trade deadline and Carlos Hernandez is still on the team I think that's when we're really approaching Barlow territory in uh in in my opinion one thing I did want to add in that I I forgot to mention is that uh you asked who's going to be coming out to close the games yeah yeah yeah. we we saw a guy come out and close the game Sunday when Barlow wasn't here right it was Carlos Carlos Hernandez I I think he could be the closer being going forward and I think you know fingers crossed this is what the Royals are thinking they're thinking Carlos Hernandez (laughs) is our closer for the rest of the year people are going to look at him and go oh he's not just a setup guy he's a closer we're paying for a closer a young closer with with years of control and if that's what they're thinking is and if they're right that that's a difference that matters and i i think it probably does um then then yeah they made the right choice not trading him let's trade him this offseason but again like you said if he's still still here at next trade deadline and past next trade deadline now we've got a real problem right right 
Hey, Matthew, before we close the close the book on the trade deadline, do you have any uh, final thoughts? I was kind of convinced that we would have some, like, I don't know, sense one way or the other. How is this front office the same as the previous front office? Or are they doing something new? Do we have confidence that they're going to do something new? And I don't have... Like they didn't, I don't feel either way. There are pieces of evidences. <laughs> there's pieces of evidence that is for the, the Royals do have a different process, right? They traded Scott Barlow for an A ball player. I don't know if Dane Moore does that. They traded Scott Barlow at all. I don't know if Dane Moore does that. Um, they traded a lot more players than they generally do under Dane Moore. But at the same time, they didn't make the big trade that they never did under Dane Moore. If that's consistent, right? They had the option to make a splash to make a really big decisive change, and they didn't do that. Um, and then there's the whole, you know, Nicky Lopez trade, which is just, I think, weird. Um, it's just, it's just weird. Um, so, I, I wanted like to be able to say, hey, this front office, here's, here's a, here's, this is different, and, or to be able to say, oh, this front office is no different than the previous front office. But I don't think they did. Either of those things, um, which is a little bit frustrating, um, you know, we just kind of have have to wait. I think the real test of this front office is going to be how the draftees do, right? Because this yeah. is the first time that under JJ and under the whatever is new about the front office that they made the decisions on players and from the start have top to bottom unification on what the vision is for developing these players. Um, I don't think that started off so well with their selection of Blake Mitchell. Um, that's super, super, super risky, but you know, like this, this is really it. Like there's not a whole lot that the, the JJ front office could have really done differently than most other front offices would have done in their position until the draft, until the trade deadline, until this upcoming off season. Um, I think that that is when we'll really start to see if they're different enough um, okay. than the previous front office. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, just to uh, wrap it up on the MLB trade deadline. So thank you to Matthew. I don't know if it was you. I don't know if it was Max. I don't care. You can find this on Royals Review X account, not the not the Twitter account anymore. But there is a, there's a good recap on who is in and who is out on the major league roster. So joining the roster, Matt Beatty, who got reinstated um, and he has returned from his rehab assignment on hell. Zerpa is coming up from the Omaha storm chasers, Jackson Kowar and James MacArthur are coming up from the storm chasers as well. And joining the major league roster, leaving the major league roster, Nikki Lopez, Jose Quas, Scott Barlow and Ryan Yarbrough. Tucker Davidson is still a, uh, a wild card. He will be activated tomorrow, but that means that they're going to have to send someone down or DFA someone. So we will still have some uh, fresh news to talk about regarding the Royals. I am still waiting to see on what they will do with Brad Keller, who um, was not reinstated from his rehab assignment. He had just returned home from his uh, rehab assignment. He had uh, he had finally said, I've had enough of Omaha. I am done in Warner Park. <laughs> 
But that is that is it for the 2023 MLB trade deadline. Hold it on, was on, certainly a crazy one. We, what, Jeremy? We what? forgot the most important part of the trade deadline. What? The San Diego Padres, uh-huh. having acquired Scott Barlow, okay. now have the best hair in the back of the bullpen in baseball. No doubt. Josh Hader and Scott Barlow back there. That is... Those are some flowing locks, baby. That is true. Uh, the hat tip to a friend of the podcast, uh, Deluxe, Royal Deluxe over there. <laughs> uh, he tweeted uh, that out, and I, I I had to make sure that everyone knows, man, that's some hair. That That is that is certainly Long, a, a head of hair. Beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> you you and hair, Jeremy. We'd, we're we're going to have to have a talk about this sometime. <laughs> I'm sure there's a hotline out there for some more people like you. <laughs> oh my god matthew can you can you top that at all like i think that's a pretty pretty hard one to to go, go up fast no i'm, I'm out you're out <laughs> <laughs> there we go all right jeremy well hey it wouldn't be a podcast without you derailing the episode for a little bit and i think you have uh, successfully done that sir so well done to you and yours all right go ahead go ahead jeremy i know you got something else to say no, I'm I'm good now. You're you're, you're good now. That was the that was I, the final. That was it. That was that was my that was my uh my 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 secret weapon that I was holding behind my back the whole episode. Wow, I thought maybe it was a knife since your uh, your hand is so well acquainted with, uh, with <laughs> knives now. No, I don't I don't deal in knives anymore. I'm scared of them now. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, if y'all want to keep up to date on everything with what these two are doing on X. You can follow follow Lamar over there at Lamar underscore Matt. Follow Jeremy at Akaius on X. And you can follow me at Jacob Milham KC. But most importantly, go follow Royals Review at Royal Review on X. I said Twitter again. And you can it's find Twitter, them on man. Facebook. <laughs> Twitter. That's that, that's what we're rolling with. Is, is that the protest? Is that the next protest, Jeremy? Are we going to go up against Elon Musk next time? You you made John Sherman's target. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, that he, is that he, is true. Uh, the thing of the difference between Elon Musk and John Sherman is John Sherman keeps his mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> that is an excellent point, my friend. All right, everyone out there who is still listening, thank you so much for your support. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Everything that you do there greatly benefits the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Royals!